Welcome in everybody to this week's episode, episode 123 of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your sports podcasts. Darren and Andrew back with you. Uh, took a week off just due to travel and life getting in the way. Happy to be back with you. We're going to put football on the back burner here for a week, at least for the most part. We may sprinkle some in here, but we're going to focus mostly on NBA. Weird as it may be to think, basketball is just around the corner, and we're going to give a full in-depth preview, really kind of look at who our playoff teams are, and then the contenders, maybe look at some award winners. We'll sprinkle in some UFC at the end, a huge UFC card coming up 294 this weekend, so we need to get our picks in there. To start this off, though, need to give some attention to Major League Baseball. So much has happened in the postseason in the last two weeks since we were last on. And then there were four. National League, we've got the Phillies and the Diamondbacks as we're recording in Game 2. And we've got the Rangers, the I guess the Cinderella team of the group, up 2-0 on the mighty and mightily hated Houston Astros. And... I do believe, uh, if I have my picks correct, Andrew, you had the Phillies and the Astros in the World Series. I had the Phillies at the beginning of the year, and then I bailed on them to ride the hot hand with the Braves. So my picks are dead in the water and have my brackets completely destroyed, but you are you still have a chance with Phillies and Astros. Yeah, and I, I, feel like, um, I feel like the Phillies are in the best position to win it. I think their hitting has been incredible. Um, Bryce Harper's been on a tear. Uh, Trey Turner's been on an absolute tear. Everybody is getting hot. All their star guys are getting hot at the right time. And then the pitching has been awesome with Wheeler, Nola. Um, yeah, basically Wheeler and Nola really guiding them through a lot of series. So I, I feel like the Phillies are, are kind of on the inside track to win it. And I'm not really too upset about the uh, the Astros being down two games. Yeah, it, it does feel good to have the Astros losing. I, I knew it was fool's gold to trust the Orioles or the Blue Jays. A lot of my picks that didn't work out. It, it's, of course, the Astros are here. It does feel, does feel good to have the Rangers in here. I do agree with you. The Phillies, they're mashing right now. The three best hitters right now are Trey Turner, Nick Castellanos, and Bryce Harper. Maybe Jordan Alvarez joins that conversation. But you look at the stats for the postseason, and it is all Rangers and Phillies. That does feel like the way we're headed. Astros have some nice pieces in there. Again, Alvarez, maybe the best power hitter. Jose Abreu seems to have found the fountain of youth in this postseason. The Diamondbacks feel like they were a nice story, a fun story. This team that nobody expected anything out of. I saw something the other day that the Rangers and the Diamondbacks were two of the longest shot World Series teams, and here they are. Feels like the... uh, the time may be running out here on the Diamondbacks, as fun as that story was. You know, Corbin, Corbin Carroll's doing okay. Cattell Marte is okay. Tommy Pham's having a nice resurgence. Just feels like they're not quite there with, with the Phillies who are on fire. And Nathan Eovaldi feels like he's been the best postseason pitcher. So feels like the World Series is going to run through Philadelphia. I would agree. I would agree. And like you say, never, never pass on an opportunity to hate on the Astros. Nope, not at all. Can't can't do it. Who are playing the Rangers? I didn't realize this. Have not lost in the postseason. The Rangers are seven and zero as we're recording this. Which is, all the other teams have at least lost one, or the Astros are about five hundred. The Rangers are rolling. I don't know what's got into this team. I have no explanation for what's going on with the Rangers or Diamondbacks. Heard this on KXNO today, but the only team to 
go seven and zero in this playoff format was last year's Astros, and they won it all. But everybody else who has done something like that has not won at all. Hmm. Been more of the exception than the rule. So basically, what it means is that the Rangers are due for a loss. The Astros are going to make a four game sweep here. It's, it's, and unfortunately, we're going to be hate watching the Astros in the World Series, ugh. and it's going to be a rematch of the Phillies and the Astros. But I believe I said the Phillies are going to win it all, right? Yes. Then I feel good about my pick still. I feel good about my pick still. Which would be a rematch of last year's World Series, just with a different outcome. It's it's scary because it's totally within the realm of possibility that the Astros could come back uh, only down 2-0 right now. And I think that the Red Sox team that broke the streak is the only team that's ever come back from 3-0 to win a series in the MLB postseason. It would just be the Astros thing to do to come back from down 3-0, make it to the World Series. Just just more reasons to despise them. Yeah, let's hope hope they don't come down from 3-0. They'll just do it from down (laughs) 2-0. I don't want them to, but I feel like it's inevitable. Yeah. Let's let's all collectively be Rangers fans for the time being. I'm on board with that. I'll root against my pick for just for this one, for this one round, for this one cause. But all right, we can move on. Well, let's let's talk about basketball. Oh, hey, before we get to yes. basketball, can we just toss in a quick hockey nod? I would love I'm to. Really, I'm really interested in this whole. Uh, Connor Bedard thing. I think he's one of the best prospects maybe of all time for NHL and he's Chicago is playing for the Blackhawks. So I've paid a little bit of attention to hockey this year. I watched a little bit of hockey this year. Kind of just tied me over until NBA comes on my TV, but I really kind of like this, uh, kind of like this hockey thing. So I'm trying to, I know we go through and do the picks with me every year, but I'm going to try and be slightly more informed i don't think i'm going to be an expert by any means in hockey this year but uh yeah i think there's some intriguing stuff out there uh, one of these weeks we'll sneak in a little bit more of a hockey primer i've tried to do a little bit more research this year as well and be a little bit more informed and not pick the oilers no matter how much i like dry and mcdavid and get burned by the oilers kind of they're they're like the blue jays of hockey i'm going to pick them every year and get burned so i'm trying to come more informed one of these weeks we'll get some hockey previews in here yeah that'd be good i i think um who who won it all last year remind me yeah (laughs) i Funny you bring this up. I had the same thought with who won March Madness. I completely forgot that UConn won, but it was the Vegas Golden Knights. It was that weird thing where they were not predicted to win. And then we had the Miami Heat and the Florida Panthers, who were both eight seeds, get hot at the same time. So Miami was having a huge That's right. Uh, end of the year. And the, the Golden Knights ended up beating the Panthers in a series that nobody saw coming. And two years ago, I believe it was the Colorado Avalanche who broke through and won it all, right? Uh, was that, were the Avs true? The Lightning had one in there somewhere. Was it, it may have been Lightning, Lightning, Avs, Knights. That's so, what I think it was because the Lightning were going for three in a row and the Avs, uh, stopped it. So was it Lightning in 20 and 21, Avs in 22 and Golden Knights in 23? Sounds right-ish. Sure. Yeah. 
Anyways, I'm really interested in the Connor Bedard thing because apparently he's one of the best players to come into hockey since Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, he's... what I've heard. Well, let's get into something that I know you're going to watch every minute of every game if you had your choice: the National Basketball Association. And I went through here and ranked conference by conference. I'll kind of follow your lead on this. We want to start at the top of one or the other, the East or the West, and go conference by conference. Um, we could really go division by division if you wanted to. Oh, sure. Let me pull up the NBA divisions because I it's really not that hard. I just always forget who's where. Uh well maybe maybe conference. Maybe we'll just we'll keep it simple. We'll just go conference. Okay. Um do East we want to start yeah, do, yeah. Let's start let's start east because I think it's the quickest and the easiest to talk about because I think you have we've kind of brought this up when we were talking about all the trades that went down the Holiday trade, the Dame trade, the uh, oh gosh, yeah, all the trades, all the trades <laughs> that went down this summer. Um, when we were talking about that, we were really saying there's top tier contenders in the East, and then there's a whole lot of middle of the pack teams that aren't really serious contenders out there. I think that's still true. Uh, I don't know where you want to start. If you want to start with the contenders. Or if you're you're just dying to talk about like the Charlotte Hornets, uh, I have the Hornets ranked as the 13th best team in the East. But I figured we'd start with our the top here. Okay, well then I think if we're gonna start with the top, we gotta start with the Milwaukee Bucks. They're obviously the top team in the East, I believe. Um, Dame, Giannis. Middleton, Portis, Lopez, Connaughton. That's kind of they're going to be their core group of guys right there. And then they're going to kind of bring along other guys like Marjan Bochamp, Andre Jackson Jr. might play a little bit. Jay Crowder might play a little bit. Campaign is on the team. He might get a little bit of run in the regular season. Malik Beasley. I don't know who's going to kind of come through for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, but I think a couple of those guys are going to have to play some key roles maybe during the regular season, but not in the postseason. I think postseason, you kind of got those top guys. I do worry maybe a little bit on the defensive side of things, but I think the trade-off on what you lose defensively with Lillard versus what you gain offensively late in games, I, I don't know how hard the Bucks are going to push to win 60 games. I don't I don't feel like they are, but I think they're a fairly safe bet to win 50 games if everybody is relatively healthy. Yeah, I'm all in on the Bucks there. Spoiler, my pick to win the whole thing. I think Giannis gets back into MVP form, not that he really ever lost it, just you know how the MVP voters get where they can't let a guy win too many. I think he's going to be right back in that conversation. Adding Dame Lillard next to him is a whole new element that this team hasn't had before. Like you say, they may not really push themselves to go all in on the regular season and you know, build, build the team and peak when it matters, get to that three or four seed, maybe the two. Just be ready, just be primed, get all their um, chemistry and all that figured out. But I'm with you. I, I think the Bucks. To me, I just sat here and did this. I think there's the the five tiers if we're using grade school grading system. 
the A, the B, the C, the D, and the F. And I, I have two teams on the A tier, and that's the Celtics and the Bucks. Those are the only two that I see as contenders for the East. Yeah, and I'm kind of with you. I think it's Celtics box. So, uh, let let's move on to the Celtics because they made their own big deals. They made the uh, Porzingis deal, then they made the Holiday deal as well. Uh, they're really kind of going top heavy because their starting lineup looks like Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, Holiday, and then probably Derek White, maybe Al Horford. I don't know if they'll start Derek White, but that's kind of their core group. And then it's a lot like the Bucks, but maybe a lesser version of the Bucks, where they're counting on guys like Peyton Pritchard, Jordan Walsh, a rookie. Sam Hauser might play a little bit. We don't really know beyond that who might play for this Celtics team, because there's not really anybody else that you would maybe want to play. Luke Cornett's probably going to get some run. I, I don't know. I think it's come playoff time. They're really only going to be playing six guys come playoff time. Milwaukee can maybe go seven. So that's a, it's going to be an interesting part of the Celtics season because we know kind of the history with Porzingis and some of the injuries. I think that's going to, Al Horford's not getting any younger, but he's been very rock solid for them. I, I don't know. I like the Celtics team, but I think they're the clear number two in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you hit it spot on. For me, it's the depth that the Bucks bring to the table. Giannis and Dame are the best one-two punch, I think, in the league. The fact that they can go deeper into their bench and throw a lot of different bodies at you, at least get a, a Bobby Portis or a second Lopez twin or whomever to come eat up minutes. I'm very, I'd be very interested to see the series. I think it'd be fun, fireworks, high-scoring affair. I just I trust the Bucks and the expertise there more. The guy who I think is going to get maybe the most attention of anybody in the NBA this year and kind of a is is it his time to take over is Jason Tatum. He feels kind of like he's the the next guy, the star anointed. Last year it was Embiid that took the jump. Is this year going to be Tatum? A lot of people hate on Jason Tatum that maybe he's a one trick pony. All he does is score points. He's not a crunch time. He's not a leader. He's not a dog. Whatever the criticism may be. Not saying I agree with it. I like Jason Tatum. Just from your perspective, where do you rank Tatum in the top five, top 10, top 20 of the current NBA players? I think there's a conversation to put him in the top 10, but we're not going to go top five because we got Jokic, we got Giannis, we've still got um, KD hanging around, we've still got Steph Curry doing his thing. Um, I think the top three is Jokic, Giannis, Curry, and then probably if we're talking overall game, we're talking LeBron, Luka Doncic. Embiid? Yeah. Embiid, maybe. Yep, Embiid. Probably guy that I would take over um, Tatum. And so then I think Tatum is maybe in that next conversation down with, like, current version of Durant. Um. Yeah, I I don't think he's I don't think he's top five, but I think he's in the top ten. It's kind of how I see him. So looking, those were my two A tier teams. Looking at my B tier, and I don't I don't know if I thought about this as kind of a a seeding or just power ranking, but in this next crop, I've got the 76ers, the Cavaliers, and the Heat. The Heat, we know that they 
just kind of like to limp into the playoffs, not really play the regular season. I, th- I think they're going to get a little bit better this year, take a step forward. The Sixers, I really worry about the James Harden situation, what that does to the chemistry. I feel like they lost a lot. I think they're going to be very Joel Embiid reliant, which if you're going to rely on any one player, he's one of the best to lean on. I just don't think that they have surrounded him the way the Bucks and the Celtics have their superstars. And then the Cavaliers, I this was my ride-or-die team last year, and it blew up in my face. I think Evan Mobley is going to be your defensive player of the year. He's if, if there weren't so many good bigs in the NBA right now, he'd be competing for a all-NBA spot. Love Donovan Mitchell. Love what this team has done. Big fan of the Cavaliers. Going to be a team who gets like the two-seed and then gets blown out in the first round of the postseason. But if we're looking at win totals, I think you've got the Sixers, the Cavs, and the Heat. Here's my kind of second tier. Yeah, I think I'm probably, like you, I guess I get the worry about the Harden situation, although I think it could be good if if the guy doesn't really want to be there. I think it might be, you're probably better off getting him out of there. Um, I don't know how great he is for that locker room. I don't really know what they're going to get back in a James Harden trade, but I also feel like Tyrese Maxey is 22 and... You got to see what you got with him kind of taking over that lead guard spot. I Even if it does kind of put your ceiling a little bit lower because you'd like to have James Harden. But again, what has James Harden never done in the playoffs? Yeah, I, he hasn't done much of anything in the playoffs. Um, so I, I like handing, I like getting rid of Harden and handing the ball off to Maxi and then letting Embiid kind of be your your guy. Right, which he should be. He he should be the guy because he is, again, probably one of the in the conversation for the top five, certainly a top ten player. I think you, I think you got to get rid of James Harden sooner rather than later. It's time to cut eight. Uh, in that next year, though, then yeah, I would. I think it's a Miami, Cleveland conversation. I think I might like the makeup of this current Cleveland team a little bit more. Although I do wonder about maybe the fit kind of with Barland and Mitchell, Allen and Mobley. I think there's some potential here where things could kind of go awry and the Cavs could say, okay, this Allen and Mobley thing isn't really working out too great. I think they could, I think Jared Allen is a trade candidate, a trade deadline candidate to kind of keep your eye on, uh, so I could see things kind of going awry and maybe a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder thinking we need a legit center. Uh, we have Chet Holmgren, but he's a little bit on the smaller side. We'd like a legit center to kind of go for it now. I could see Jared Allen being that kind of a guy, maybe getting traded. So it's um, I still don't know what they're doing at the small forward spot too because they played – Coro out there, he can't shoot. Levert, kind of a gunner. Dean Wade, not really a small forward either. So there's kind of some issues there. I think they need to kind of maybe ship Jared Allen Zuh. and get that sm- small forward. Maybe Max Struess. I don't know. I don't know how I really feel about Max Struess as a as a small forward. I think he kind of overachieved in the Miami system. So we'll kind of kind of see if if Max Strews can kind of exist outside of that Miami system, George Niang. There you go. That's the answer. Uh, Absolutely not. Um, 
So there's a lot of questions with Cleveland, but I like them slightly better than Miami, which I think is sort of an aging roster. Um, you've got Bam, you've got Jimmy, you've got Hero, but are you going to really roll out and rely on Kyle Lowry, who's 37? Um, Caleb Martin's 28. You didn't want to give him up in the Dame trade, so he better be all world this year. Uh, but you, you lost a guy like Struess, who was kind of a big deal. So now you're going to play Duncan Robinson in those Max Struess minute, minutes? Uh, does 35-year-old Kevin Love have anything left in the tank? Or are you going to re- rely on Jaime Jaquez? I, I don't like the makeup of this year's Miami team. I think they were the eighth seed for a reason last year. I think they could. I'm going to put them a little bit higher, but I think they could go a little bit lower. It wouldn't surprise me if Miami is a play-in team this year. Well, if we include that play-in situation, we get 10 teams in the playoffs, right? Yeah, 10 teams in the playoffs. And I think they'll be one of the 10. I just don't know. Miami could go as high as three or as low as 10. There's a wide range of outcomes for this Miami Heat season. And I feel that way about any and every team beyond the top two. Let me be clear about that. I think it's, I think there's top two with the Bucks and Celtics, and it's just absolute wild cards kind of after that. And I'll, I'll extend mine a little bit. I feel good about my top five getting in. My, my C tier, my third group here is about six through 11. And I think there's some, like you say, wild cards, some teams in here that not a lot of other people are going to pick, but I've got the Pacers. I love this Pacers team. I think the Raptors get back with Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi, all those guys. They have to get good eventually, get back to the way they were a few years ago. The Magic is a team. Give me the Magic. I think Paolo takes a huge step forward. I'm all in on the Magic finally getting to be a playoff team, even if they have to go through the play-in to get to that eight spot. The Hawks, who knows what to make of the Hawks. I think there's just too much talent for them to not at least make the playoff in a low East. And then I've got the Bulls in there at 10. So that leaves me with the Knicks on the outside looking in. But I've got Pacers, Raptors, Magic, Hawks, Bulls, and Knicks in any order from 6 to 11. Those are at least my playoff contenders, and I could see any of them shaking out in any order. Yeah, I'm I'm a bigger believer in the New York Knicks than what you are. I really think that Jalen Brunson is a legit star. I think they kind of stuck to who they are. They kind of have an identity, and they were decent a decent team in the regular season. I think R.J. Barrett might be taking another leap up. I I kind of like this team. I like quickly. I like what they've got with Mitchell Robinson. Kind of locking down that middle. It's all about Julius Randle. Whether or not he can... I don't know. He kind of is what he is. Right? They might ship off Julius Randle. That's really the thing that could shake up this... This next season. But I kind of like the pieces. It feels like they're another piece away from contending. But for now, I think they're... They're probably more in that four to six range, probably six, but more four to six range rather than down at 11. So, and I think they've got the right coach as well. I don't think you can undersell the fact that Thibodeau is a decent NBA basketball coach. Maybe wears the players a little bit thin, and that's kind of why they don't have success in the playoffs like they should. Um, Then I do like that Pacers team, although I think 
Buddy Heald is probably going to get traded because he wants a new contract and they're already paying him too much money and uh, nobody's going to pay Buddy more than what he's making now. They shouldn't. He's 30 years old. He's on a $23 million per year salary. I think Buddy Buddy Heald is going to get traded. I think he's a very likely trade candidate. Uh, but I like Matherin making a leap, a little bit of a leap. He was good in his first year. I don't know what Jairus Walker brings or Obi Toppin. I think that's a little bit weird. I don't know if either one of those guys can play next to Turner. Tyrese Halliburton, obviously he's a star player. Um, they paid him handsomely. We'll see how that works out. But um, this in Nemhard, I think Nemhard is obviously going to take another step forward as well. So it's it's an interesting team, but again, I think they're a few pieces away as well. And then the Hawks, we've kind of seen them. I don't know. We don't really know what to make of Atlanta because they went to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. And now last year, they I believe they missed the playoffs altogether last year. Um, all centers around Trey Young, but I think they're kind of a weird roster as well. That's kind of what you have in the Eastern Conference is, is a lot of weird rosters maybe that don't make the most sense. I think the Brooklyn Nets are maybe a team that could overachieve and surprise a lot of people. I really, really, really like Mikhail Bridges. I think they found something with kind of Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges. I don't think it's a good big three by any means, but I like, I think Mikhail Bridges is a, is a superstar player and Phoenix is going, what would we do letting this guy go? I understand why they had to do it. Cause you got to go get Kevin Durant when you can, got to go get Bradley Beal when you can as well. But I think, uh, I think Mikhail Bridges is a little bit better than what people make him out to be. Team that you had in there that I'm kind of down on, I think the Bulls. I think this could be not quite a tank season for the Bulls, but there's a lot of blow-it-up potential. I kind of see that potential with the Bulls, with the Raptors as well. I think Siakam, there's been a lot of talk about Siakam and Anobi getting moved. I think, again, I'm going to mention this team a lot in trade possibilities because of all the picks that they have. But I think Siakam on like a Thunder squad would make a lot of sense. Kind of like Jared Allen. I mean, Thunder have all the picks and all the assets that they need to go get whatever they need to get to win now if they think that they're ready. So it's, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of teams that have a lot of trade possibilities there in the Eastern Conference once you start talking about that 6 through 10 and below group. Is Buddy Heald required to be in every single trade proposition ever? Uh, he likes to put himself in every, every <laughs> single trade proposition ever by making uh, ridiculous demands because he thinks he's a superstar player and he's not. No matter which sports website you read, <laughs> whatever trade package, Buddy Heald is somehow included. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he's always he's always in the rumor mill. Always in the rumor mill. Uh, and, Orlando. Yeah. Time. Um, Their time is now. They're gonna do it. Yeah, I don't know about that. They uh, all might be twenty three, but still. The 
I mean, they still haven't really solved their lack of a true point guard. They don't have a lead guard that you can really point to. I know they drafted Jalen Suggs. Uh, they've got Mark Hol- Mark They've got Anthony Black. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. Um, again, it's it's kind of another guard. There's a lot of Alfred Payton in Anthony Black's game. A lot of Alfred Payton in Anthony Black's game. I love Paolo. I love Franz Wagner. I think Wagner's a really good candidate for most improved player. I think uh, he's going to open a lot of eyes, but we talked about them on draft night. We didn't understand their draft with Jet Howard and Anthony Black when you could have had like Grady Dick. That's the thing is they don't have like floor spacing. They don't have a lot of good shooting out there on the floor. So I'm not maybe sold. I think they could. Maybe Paolo takes a little bit of a leap. I think Wagner's going to take a huge leap this year. And it's going to be clear that those are their one and two guys, and they should be. But, and I think that's probably enough to slide them into that nine or ten spot. But I don't really expect them to go much of anywhere once they get there. And then uh, the bottom feeder teams are the Pistons, the Wizards, the Hornets. I think those are kind of your bottom feeder teams. I think the Wizards could be really bad. I think uh, I think Jordan Poole is going to – Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, if you're really interested in, in two guys that are going to just absolutely gun up shots, that's what you're going to get when you turn on a Wizards game this season is just those two going for broke. I mean, there's a legitimate chance that Jordan Poole averages like 28, 29 points a game this season <laughs> – but he does it by shooting 30 shots a game. Right. As, and Kuzma will be kind of the same way. So who who is the worst team in the East in your eyes? I, oh, I think Wizards. it might be that Wizards. Wizards by far. The, Wiz, the, yeah, Wizards, the I, Wizards may be like historic levels of bad. Like fewest yeah, ever. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, depends on if they're actively tanking or not. But yeah, they're they're I mean, bad. It, it, um, it, it, maybe it, it, Tyus Jones or Bilal Koulibaly. Maybe there's something Corey Kispert. Maybe there's a chance to see what you have with some of these young guys. But yeah, Kuzma is going to be their superstar, and he's a, maybe a good number three on a team, but not your not a one on a playoff contending team. Yeah, try telling that to uh, Jordan Poole because he he'll believe that he's the superstar of the team. So. Knowing Poole's gonna go ahead. Knowing you, you already know who the number one pick in next year's dra- draft is going to be. So. I actually don't, and Ooh. I'm actually, uh, yeah, it's not like a tank for Wemby situation next year, from what I've heard. Gotcha. I don't know who. There's not like a franchise altering player. At least that's what folks are saying now. But by the time the draft rolls around, we'll be drooling over somebody at the number one pick and number two pick probably. Um, but NBA GMs are saying that this draft or the next draft are just not it. I don't know how you can know that far out in advance, right. but um, we'll see. We'll see. There's always some, some folks that emerge throughout the season, but uh, 
it's not like a clear and obvious Wembenyama situation here this year. Um, or even a clear and obvious number two like Scoot Henderson. So if you're tanking for something, I don't think this is the year to do it, which makes the Wizards thing even more egregious, which I think we talked about that last year, where it's like, why didn't you make all your moves and trade Beal last year so that you could have possibly tanked for Wemby or Scoot this year? Didn't make any sense. Um, but anyways, I think we can move on unless you're really dying to talk Pistons or Hornets. No, I, I just think, yeah, go ahead. No, I wanted to put a bow on a few things. I do like the Nets, their team that I like Cam Johnson. I like Dorian Finney-Smith. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. I like Mikhail Bridges. Just feels like they don't have that breakout star. Ben Simmons is there, but we, I think we've seen the best of Ben Simmons think they need that superstar who's going to pop, who's going to take over this team. They need like that Paolo or like the Pacers have, which I want to get to this. The Pacers have Halliburton and maybe Matherin. I know they're both young and developing, but do the Pacers have the best guard combination in the Eastern Conference right now? Or is it too early for to put Matherin in that conversation? Yeah, too early probably to put Matherin in that guard conversation. Um, and it, it depends. Are you talking point guard, shooting guard? Because that's Garland Mitchell. Yeah. Just, just a point guard and a shooting guard who has a better starting two than Matherin and Halliburton. Garland and Mitchell. Yeah. I was, I was looking at. But if we're talking top just duos, which I think is kind of the theme of the NBA season is the, who are the best duos? You got to have that strong top two in order to win the championship because Last year in the playoffs, Jokic and Murray were the best duo, and they the Nuggets won the championship. Right. Well, in the East, I think the best duo is Giannis Dame. Oh, yeah. And then second best is Tatum Brown. And then you're really – I think you might have to think of it that way rather than point guard, shooting guard, because then I think the next best duo is probably Jimmy Bam. And yeah. then – and then you're probably in Halliburton, Matherin. It's a Halliburton, Matherin, Garland. Probably Garland, Mitchell, then Halliburton, Matherin. So I'd, I'd say that's probably the fifth best duo in the East. Again, depends on what happens with the Harden situation. Kind of saying that Harden's going to not be a part of the Sixers. So, all right. I'll let you put your bow on the Eastern Conference. No, I just, yeah. We seem to be similar on a lot, and we have a few that are pretty different, but it all it all circles back to the Bucks and the Celtics. Um, there was one team. Oh, the Trey Young situation. I was looking at this. I was thinking, is there a chance that Atlanta is going to move off of him? And then he is still signed to a massive contract for the next three years, so they may not be moving off of him anytime soon, I, unless there's some GM out there who wants to try to take on a $45 million per year deal. It just... Seems like Atlanta, no matter how dysfunctional, is tethered to Trey Young. Yeah, they are 100% tethered to Trey Young. I think it's if they do decide to blow it up, I mean, they're they're trading off guys like Capella, Bogdanovich, Hunter, Dejounte Murray. They're they're doing all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so. I don't know. They're an interesting team. I don't think they're a contending team, but uh, my guy Kyle Korver is part of that front office. He's the assistant GM for the Hawks. And uh, Landry Fields is the GM. 
he was a former NBA player as well. Don't know if you remember that name. He was part of the Sixers during uh, Carmelo's time. He was part of the Carmelo era. Not the Sixers, the Knicks. Let's say, was he, I thought he was part of Lynn Sanity. Was he in the Lynn Sanity era Knicks? Yeah, he was part of the Lynn Sanity era, but also mainly the Carmelo era of the Knicks. So he was a, a smart dude as well. So uh, Fields and Corver, maybe they'll maybe they'll find it. If there's right. any way that they can turn around the team from the front office, they might be able to do it. Well, we will move over to the West here. And this one, I this is all over the board for me. I didn't have my nice and tidy tiers here. It starts with the Nuggets. The two through ten, I can go a lot of different ways, but for me to be the man, you got to beat the man. They're still the reigning champs. Jokic is probably the best player on the planet, and I'll consider number two behind Giannis. Huge fan of Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, like you mentioned, the one-two punch. Murray and Jokic may be the best one-two in the league. I do worry about the depth with this team once you get beyond that starting five. KCP is a nice role player. We'll see what Christian Braun can bring to the table as his backup. Uh, but as long as you have Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Jamal Murray and the coaching we've seen out of this team, it's just a well-oiled machine. Washington's repeat, they're going to be there every year. Yeah, I do worry a little bit about the Bruce Bound departure. He's now in uh, Indiana with the Pacers. KCP... Obviously, a good role player. Christian Brown was pretty big in the championship run as well, but so was Bruce Brown. Um, Like you said, yeah, this is going to kind of be an issue. Can you really expect a whole lot of out of Reggie Jackson? DeAndre Jordan is kind of backing up Jokic yet again. I don't know. Feels like they might need to make some sort of a move. They'll probably be looking at that. Uh. There's always guys that get bought out and then signed with a, a contending team. I think they're going to be one of a few teams that's going to be looking for people on that buyout market. So I don't know who that is, but that's I think the Nuggets will be aggressive and going for depth. I uh, was listening to Simmons or so. They're doing their annual over-under win totals pods for all the NBA teams. Uh, do you think that there's like a mini run Warriors dynasty potential with this Nuggets team. I so badly want to say yes. I just, I don't know that I see the core there. You know, Steph Clay, Draymond, Harrison Barnes, Iguodala, and whoever else they had in that. Here it feels like you've got Murray and Jokic. Somebody else needs to pop for them to have, I think, that kind of a run. I would love to see it. Huge fan of the Nuggets, big fan of Jokic, and I think it'd be really fun for the NBA to get a random team like the Nuggets to be good. Just feel like, okay, you've got Steph and Clay. Where's the Draymond? Where's the Iguodala? That's what I think the Nuggets would need to get through a very tough West. Damn, when you see now that you got Giannis and Dame waiting on the other side. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. It's really tough to make that happen with the way salary works in today's NBA. Um, I like Jalen Pickett. Got to give a nod to him. I think he's going to be, I think he might be a part of that rotation by the end of the year for the Nuggets, just given their lack of depth. Uh, he's listed as a point guard, but he can play one through three, maybe even a little bit of small ball four, given his size. I kind of like the skills as like a point guard. He can play point forward. I, I really like the skills of a guy like Jalen Pickett. 
So I think they might have struck gold with that with a second round pick. Yet okay. again, I'm not saying he's going to go Jokic style, but he kind of he kind of fits around Jokic. And then you also know that Jokic is going to elevate somebody, right? He kind of does that to his teammates where you just go, who is this guy? Oh, he's playing with Jokic. He's getting elevated by playing with Jokic. So I think I think there's going to be a little bit of that. So I think we can't count the Nuggets out, but I think it is going to be tough for them to like repeat. So Denver got to 53 wins last year. They were one of only two teams to get over 50. The other one being the Grizzlies, who are not going to get close to that this year. We, I don't know what uh, what they've done, but 50, over under 50 for the Nuggets in the regular season. The Bucks were the league leaders last year at 58. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. I've looking at the West here. I didn't realize this till I looked a little closer. My two through seven, I've got the young guys or the old guys. Which do you want to go with first? Uh, let's go the old guys. So the old guys. These are teams that I think are in the postseason, but they are going to be doing it on bodies and legs that have been in the league for a long time. The Suns, the Warriors, and the Lakers. Again, I think these are all top eight teams. Probably, I think the Warriors are the best in the long run, but they may be resting guys a lot, just trying to get to the postseason. The Suns, I think, are the most interesting with how does this team look while that you add Bradley Beal to Durant and no bench at all. And then the Lakers have LeBron, so that's the only reason I give them a chance. I do think the Warriors are legit championship contenders, even if nobody agrees with me. I think the Suns are a nice story, and the Lakers will at least make the postseason. But maybe the Warriors, for me, are the closest challenger to the Nuggets. I don't know. I really like the Lakers. I think they kind of gave the Nuggets some fits at points in the playoffs last year. Um, I really like Austin Reeves. He was a huge part of Team USA. I think that could be big for him. Um, also, they brought back D'Angelo Russell, but they kind of no structured that. They brought back the D'Angelo Russell contract is what they brought back. The, the Lakers had a perfect offseason where they structured the contact contracts in the right way to go get that disgruntled person. And we can talk about who that disgruntled person is going to be later (laughs) because he's in the, he's in this conference. If that gives you any sort of a hint or inclination, he's in this conference, but uh, I think the Lakers might be looking to make a a splash at the trade deadline and, D'Angelo Russell is almost 100% going to be involved. Are we, are we just maybe tying back to that? How worried are we about the chemistry of a Chris Paul, Steph, Clay, Draymond locker room? I don't think so. I think um, all of those guys are, we see the personalities that they bring out of the, on the court, but Ultimately, those guys are winners, right? They all want to win so badly. I think they're going to, I think it's going to be fine because obviously Chris Paul's in the twilight of his career. He understands he's not the alpha. That's, it's Steph's team and he's merely just part of it, right? I think I just, again, like we say about all these contenders, I think the issue with the Warriors is just kind of the depth. Um, 
And they need healthy Wiggins because Wiggins was kind of not really the most healthy picture of health, right? So um, he was key to their championship run two years ago. He wasn't fully healthy for the playoffs this past season, and, and it showed. So I, I don't know. I think I don't have really any locker room concerns about those guys because of how professional they are and how desperately they want to win. So looking at, and this is just ESPN's depth chart, they've got the three starting guards and then Draymond and then Wiggins at the four. Do we like that lineup or would you rather have a Kaminga or Looney for some size rather than Draymond having to be the only real big or closest thing to a big? Um, They're starting Looney. Uh, Idea being, Looney. okay, you, you have to face down Jokic, who's, don't you want somebody bigger in there? Yeah, Looney's too important to start. I I think that's kind of the rub, right? Is they're gonna they're gonna start they're not gonna start Chris Paul. They're gonna bring Chris Paul off the bench. I I firmly believe that. I think it's gonna be Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney lineup, or maybe Dre is okay with coming off the bench. I, I don't know about that, but I I don't think so. I think it's kind of gonna be like, hey, Chris. You're the new guy. Also, you're old and you haven't been that great. Um, so you run that second unit with Moody and maybe Kaminga and a couple of other guys and Gary Payton, the second, probably a part of that second unit as well. So you run and take over that second unit. And that way we have you or Steph running the point at all times. So. It will be interesting to see how that works because ultimately their best lineups will probably be with Chris Paul on the bench. Random side tangent, just thinking about that as Looney as the starter. We never give this man any credit. He has been on all of those championship teams. It's, I know he comes off the bench and he doesn't contribute the way the other guys do, but Kevon Looney's been there the entire time with Steph, Clay, Draymond, and we never talk about him. No, uh, but if you're a basketball nerd like I am, you certainly know about him and know his value. Yeah. Uh, that team would be absolutely screwed because he was a restricted free agent last offseason, and the Sacramento Kings made an offer to Kevon Looney to kind of be the backup to uh, Sabonis, which would have been absolutely incredible for the Kings, given that Kings team and Looney was a huge part of the reason why Sabonis struggled and also others struggled when they played the Warriors. He is their, their guy that provides like the defense and the rebounding and is just okay with doing absolutely all the dirty work and getting none of the credit. Like you're talking about like Kevon Looney doesn't care that his name isn't in the press. It doesn't seem like he does. Right. And so that those are the kinds of guys that you have to have to make a championship team. So yeah, I wish I wish Sacramento Kings had gotten Kevon Looney or they might be looking at a championship being uh, the the content uh the reigning champion at this point in time, to be honest. Uh the other team we haven't really touched on from that group is the Phoenix Suns, this team that has been completely retooled. We talked about that with the Dame trade because that also sent DeAndre Ayton to the Blazers in exchange for Yusuf Nurkic. 
So you've got Nurkic and Durant in the middle. So this team is going to get run over inside. Josh Akogi, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker has become the cornerstone of this franchise. I, the more I look, I do think there is some decent talent on this bench more than I was giving them credit for with Grayson Allen and Eric Gordon and maybe Nasir Little or Kata Bates Jop can add something there. Drew Eubanks. Just this team is going to score 125 points a game, but who are they going to stop? Beal, Booker, Durant, and Nurkic, I don't think any of them are renowned for defense. No, not really. Um, and when it comes to crunch time in the playoffs, you're not going to be playing Nurkic in crunch time. You're going to be playing Kevin Durant as your center in crunch time. Hmm. And that's going to be your best lineup is KD5 and Booker Beal probably, and then you you take your pick of Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, Akogi, Damian Lee. Take your take your pick of those guys. Probably Little. You probably need the size of Nasir Little as a small ball four. He's got some defense to his game. And yeah, I don't I don't know. I I don't think there's enough here depth wise for the Suns to truly be a contender. I know they went all in with K- the KD and the Bradley Beal thing, but I, I don't think the Suns are really truly a contender. Are they at least a playoff team? 100% a playoff team. Uh, but it's kind of like when everybody was getting all hyped about the Clippers, and we can talk about them in, in a minute, but they're not really, again, the depth isn't there. And also there's the injury concerns with Durant and Beal to a lesser extent. So we've got so Nuggets, Suns, Warriors, Lakers. We think we have four of the Western playoff teams taken. Mm-hmm. All right. So I've got those were my three old teams. I've got my three young teams here. One of which I know you love. And as crazy as this may sound, I think these are the teams that are competing for those two through four playoff spots because they are the young, the younger guys with something to prove, as opposed to the Suns and the Warriors who are old and just trying to make it to the playoffs. The Thunder is my favorite. They're the team I think is going to take the huge leap forward, and the people who have not been been paying attention to the NBA are going to say, wait, what? The Thunder are good? What's happening? So it's the Thunder, and the Wolves is the other team with Anthony Edwards at the helm. I think they take a huge leap forward. And then your beloved Beam team. So I think the Thunder, the Kings, and the Wolves are all playoff teams for me. Maybe one of them gets hot and makes the Western Conference playoffs. I don't think any of them are quite championship material yet, but I think they're fun stories and show kind of a changing of the guard in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a King's Thunder race for number two here. I am a little bit down on that Minnesota team. I love Anthony Edwards, but I'm not going to go ahead and put any faith in Carl Anthony Towns. If I'm counting on Carl Anthony Towns and and to a lesser extent, Rudy Gobert, um, I, I don't think so. I think Minnesota's more in that 7-10 to 10 range of outcomes rather than the 2-4. to four. I think they're behind some of those old guy teams. Like, I think it's probably going to be, I think it's probably going to go Kings 2, Thunder 3, Lakers 4, Warriors, uh, I mean, Warriors 5. We're going to get a Lakers-Warriors first-round series and Suns sixth. And then probably, I mean, take your pick of take your pick of teams in the 7 through 10. Maybe maybe the Wolves, 
the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, the Clippers. Take your pick there in the 7th through 10th spot. Uh, I really love this OKC team, though, because Chet Holmgren is back, and that was kind of the piece, was they were kind of missing a defensive stopper at the rim, and then SGA has really taken the leap. Uh, you got Lou Dort on the wing as well. Josh Giddy is just a walking triple-double. And then I really like Kaysen Wallace. He's going to come in off the bench and lead the bench unit, but I think Kaysen Wallace would start for a lot of teams, and he's crappy on defense as well. And I, I also like Jalen Williams, the wing Jalen Williams, not the center Jalen Williams, although center Jalen Williams is a decent NBA player, but the wing Jalen Williams is... I think really the key to this team, there was some talk about him for rookie of the year. And I think he's going to take a a huge leap and really become a big name and probably NBA circles, maybe not a household name, but I think this team has a lot of great pieces. I don't know if they're quite ready to contend quite yet. I think they, but they have to make, I think they'll have to make a hard decision on whether or not they go for it because you're not guaranteed anything. Right. Look at the Pelicans. We thought two years ago that the Pelicans with Zion coming back were primed to kind of be a contending team and it's kind of fallen apart on them. Right. So they're a young and promising team and they have a great coach as well with Mark Dagonal. And I think kind of maybe you might have to say that, hey, maybe the time is actually now. Maybe we need to cash in those 37 picks that we have over the next six years <laughs> and go for it now. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of possibility for them to make a lot of, a lot of different type of trades, but I'm going to be tuning in to a lot of OKC Thunder games this season. And then Sacramento, I think it's about one thing that's going to be the key to their season because we saw this guy, tear it up in summer league, played a few games, absolutely destroyed the competition. I think it's going to be, does Keegan Murray take the leap? Keegan Murray takes a leap. Sacramento is going to become a way more dangerous team than what they were last year, which is kind of scary to think about because they were the best offense in the NBA last year during the regular season. So I, I think that's going to be kind of the key. And then will their defense kind of come around does Davion Mitchell take a leap to where his offense is good enough that they can actually play him out on the floor in crunch time because his defense is certainly good enough. And then they have Sasha Vinzenkov, who was a EuroLeague MVP who's coming over as well. So don't sleep on him. I think they, I mean, they added more firepower to a team that already had plenty of firepower. So I really like Sacramento for that second spot yet again. I think don't make the mistake of sleeping on them, thinking that they'll just automatically regress. So, I, but I, I do think King's Thunder is going to be a whale of a matchup during the regular season, and we might get it in the postseason as well, which I hope we do. It's a kind of a weird change of pace with the NBA, and yes, the Warriors and Lakers are in there, but feels like they're a step behind. You've got the Clippers on the downside. You've got the Spurs rebuilding. You've got the Blazers, who are a perennial 
postseason team. So we feels like the NBA is turning over. It's nice to see some parity back in here and get teams like the Thunder or the Kings or if you're me, the Timberwolves actually being in conversation. It was like the Nuggets for a long time were down. And I, I like the NBA more when it's there's more parity and you have this variety here in your contending teams. Yeah, I like it too. Um, we haven't talked about Memphis. They're going to be without Jaw for the first 25 games. I think they're good enough to hold on and kind of weather that storm. I think they're a playoff contender as well. Yeah, so, are probably the, so are probably the Clippers. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, Memphis has the highest over-under for win totals right but. now. Yep. Under, please. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the under as well. Because there's a good chance that Marcus Smart for those first 25 games decides that it's his team and uh, throws up 20 shots per game, and I, that's not going to go well. So I think it's really – yeah, and then Dallas. Do we want to talk about – Memphis situation is kind of a mess. With Jaw, hopefully he can come back after those 25 games and not have any more mishaps and – and just totally be all right. And I think that will take Memphis to a pretty good level. But um, what do we think about Dallas? Um, they shipped off Christian Wood. Kyrie's back. Luca's back. How are you feeling about Dallas? Dallas fits into here of my crop of question mark teams. It's kind of about 8 to 12. So I have the Mavericks getting in now that we have that playoff. I think they're in that 8 to 10 range. So I've got Pelicans 8, Mavericks 9, Grizzlies 10, and then the Clippers and the Jazz on the outside looking in because all these teams have such huge question marks to me. Pelicans is Zion healthy. The Mavs, can Luka and Kyrie coexist for a whole season? And if so, what does that look like? You've got Derek Lively the second, Omax Prosper. You could get some rookies who get a lot of good time on this team. And just the chemistry with the Mavericks is concerning. Chemistry with the Grizzlies is concerning. The Clippers are all old and beat up, and they're not. We'll see how this new rest restriction impacts them. And then the Jazz are young-ish and rebuilding around Laurie Markkinen or somebody. So that eight to twelve to me, I think all those teams could be in the play-in. None of them really feel threatening to me. So I have Dallas in that crop. Yeah, I mentioned when we were talking about the Lakers that D'Angelo Russell is a trade candidate. His contract is perfect for it. You know who his contract is perfect to be traded for? Kyrie Irving. 100%. Maybe I've told you this before. No, you just said disgruntled, and that's immediately where my mind went. Yeah, yep. I'm glad that's where your (laughs) mind went because that's where my mind is at too. That is my bold prediction for the Western Conference's Kyrie Irving is going to be traded to the Los Angeles Lakers trade deadline for D'Angelo Russell and your collection of picks, maybe another role player thrown in there, maybe another young asset thrown in there. I do think Luka Doncic is going to go on an absolute tear. He's going to be kind of upset about how last season went. And so I think Luka is going to be back in that MVP conversation. I don't know if he's going to win it, but I think, uh, Kyrie's days in Dallas are numbered, and I think it's going to be a trade deadline move. I was looking at how these numbers work out, and I thought the Lakers' payroll would be higher than it is. When you get beyond LeBron and AD, they're really not paying anybody all that much. Maybe it is setting up just for this. You get rid of D'Angelo Russell. That's your third highest contract. 
So that frees up money and being, I'm not sure what that starting five looks like. LeBron, AD, Austin Reeves, Kyrie, and somebody else. And not much depth there. And be curious, uh, an AD, LeBron, Kyrie, big three. Yeah. Uh, well, no, a, Kyrie a, wouldn't a be part of the big... to watch. Kyrie wouldn't be part of the big three because uh, he'd be he'd be the fourth in the big four because Austin Reeves is better. <laughs> uh, I'm dead serious. I'm uh, dead serious man. about that. Ugh. So, um, a soap opera begin. Yeah, it will be a soap opera. But if if anybody can handle it, it's LeBron because he's handled Kyrie before. Right. So, um, yeah, and then, so I think Dallas is a little bit of an intriguing team. I'm kind of riding Zion off. I mean, you're five, right? And and the guy's barely seen the court. I think the injuries that have cropped up, I don't think he's got maybe that same explosiveness that he he did have before. Uh, and even if he does, we don't even know what it looks like for him and Ingram to play together for a full season because we haven't seen it. And I don't know if we will ever see it. Um, so I'm really down on them. I think Minnesota, we talked about them. They're probably right at that seven spot. I really like Anthony Edwards. Uh, it's a little bit alarming to me that nobody, not even the Blazers, wanted to take a chance on Carl Anthony Towns. What does that kind of say about Carl Anthony Towns? And then I think they they might be moving off of Rudy Gobert as well, which they should because they need to clear the way for one Mr. Edwards to kind of do his thing. So a lot of – those are kind of the teams that we can talk about. And then like you talked about the Clippers, they're old, but maybe they're going to trade for James Harden. I don't know what they can trade for James Harden that Philly will accept. But – you try to put together Harden, Kawhi, and Paul George. And Russ. Well, I would assume that Russ might be part of that ah. deal and then immediately probably get bought out by the Sixers. Hmm. Just my guess. Um, so I, I don't think you're rolling with Harden, Russ, Kawhi, Paul George. Um, so I, I don't know. It's a really old, weird team there in Clipperland. Um, hey, I don't really, I don't really mind what uh, San Antonio's got going on. I think Wemby is the favorite for Rookie of the Year, and he should be. Uh, can't wait to tune into Spurs games just to see what kind of freakish things Wemby does. And then I think Portland. Um, a lot of people might think they're going to be tanking, but maybe they could surprise some people. I could see Portland coming in at 11 and maybe being it coming down to the last week of the season about whether or not the Blazers can make the playoffs. I I think those the three teams, the Rockets, the Blazers, and the Spurs, they're all just too young to really be threatening for me. The Blazers are going to be fun, though. They may run four young, super athletic guards out there, and then DeAndre Ayton may not win a whole bunch, but they should at least be entertaining basketball. That's kind of the point. And then there's a direction. There's a clear star that you're going to build a team around with Scoot Henderson. Uh, and everything is just going to fit right around that with Scoot and everybody else. I'll be tuned into plenty of Blazers games because Chris Murray. 
got to see what he can bring to the table. I think he might be starting the second half of the season once they eventually move on from Jeremy Grant, because I think Jeremy Grant's either going to get traded in February or, or bought out. There's, there's a strong possibility that Jeremy Grant doesn't stick with this Blazers team because they're going full on youth movement as they should. And I kind of, I kind of like, we talked about it immediately after the Dame trade where it shipped Aiton to Portland. That's kind of the other thing is will this kind of revitalize DeAndre Aiton? And that's kind of what I'm saying with maybe the Blazers are closer to 11th because if DeAndre Aiton is engaged and playing to the best of his abilities, he's an all-star level player. And you compare that with kind of the young guys of Scoot and Shaden Sharp. I think Shaden Sharp is probably the actual number two for this team in the future. And then you've got Robert Williams, who's a good NBA player if he's healthy, but that's that's really the key. I kind of sneaky like this Blazers team. I, I don't know if if I said that publicly yet, but I kind of sneaky like it. I think they'll, they'll sneak up on a few people. And then Houston, um, with them and with the Spurs, it's kind of just, do you trust their coach? I don't know. I don't think Houston's really ready to do anything yet. I think Spurs could sneak up on a few people, uh, but it's maybe the health of Wembenyama. He's really tall, but he's also really skinny. And those guys have problems, kind of like what we saw with Porzingis early on in their career with injuries. You hope not, but just the odds are maybe stacked against him in that regard. So interesting there. At least there's intrigue with the bottom of the the West teams. I don't feel the same intrigue with the teams that are at the bottom of the East. Right. Yeah, they'll, nobody's going to be as bad as the Wizards and the Hornets. The Pistons, I don't think, will be too incredibly boring but yeah the with Wembenyama and Scoot and whatever the Rockets have built in the last couple of years they should be entertaining I'm, I'm with you there it's not going to be like you're you're not going to turn into a Wizards game just for the fun of it yeah Blazers and Spurs at least have a legitimate franchise player I don't think the Rockets currently have a franchise player you're not in was it Jalen Green no who am I thinking of Jalen Green and then Jabari Smith yeah, and I, mean, I don't Barry think Smith either one, one pick. Uh, no, people thought he was going to be a number one pick. He ended up going lower than that. He ended up going number three. Um, I believe because Paolo, and then uh, yeah, go ahead. I would say was it Paolo than him? I gotta look it up. Two thousand two <laughs> NBA draft, right? It's a race um, to see which of us can get it first. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I forgot Chet the Jet was in there. Chet, yeah. 2002 NBA draft was Paolo, Chet, Jabari, Keegan, Ivy. Because it was it was uh, supposed to it was supposed to be Chet, and then it was it Chet or Jabari, and then as it got closer, people finally realized, oh, Paolo's the man here. Right. And, you know, honestly, all due respect to Jabari Smith, I think Keegan probably should have gone number three. Glad he didn't because it worked out better for a better basketball situation in Sacramento um, because the Rockets are a mess of an organization. 
Maybe they'll turn it around with Ime Udoka there, but you never know. Um, so that's uh, it's kind of where where I'm at with everybody. So I want to ask you one more quick individual player question here on the West, and then we'll look at some postseason picks. So I'm going to throw out some names: Jamal Murray, Shy Gilgis Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, Anthony Edwards. Devin Booker, John Morant. Yeah, I'll go with those guys. You're starting a franchise. You can have one of those guards. Who do you want? We're labeling Anthony Edwards a guard? Yeah, he's close enough. Close enough. By by the depth charts I see, he's considered a guard. Okay. Then, yeah, out of all those guys, I'm taking the Ant-Man. Interesting. With um, SGA is my number two, and De'Aaron Fox is my number three. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on SGA. I was just thinking about how many good guards there are in the NBA right now, and we think about it being a big man's league with Jokic and Giannis and Embiid winning all the MVPs. And there's a, I mean, that's not even including the veteran guys like Beal and Steph, and I guess Lillard's in the East now. Just there's so many good guards right now. Yeah, yeah. There's a wealth of guards in the NBA. Man, it's kind of what it's kind of like. Why we might need some uh, NBA expansion? Because there's some guys that are on some rosters that are buried, that would normally be starters that aren't going to get to play much, if at all. Um, I think when we're talking Thunder, I think Payson Wallace is a great example of a guy who could start for a lot of teams as a first round pick right away. Um, so I think NBA expansion is coming and should come because we have a, we have a wealth of talent. We need to spread some of it out. So to wrap up, well, a couple things, but your, your Western conference and your Eastern conference finals matchups are. Okay. Eastern conference. I'm going chalky Bucks, Celtics. I think it's, think it's a huge lock um and western conference man i just feel like the lakers are going to pull off the Kyrie trade and figure out how to figure out how to get him all lined up and they made the western conference finals last year without him i'm gonna i'm gonna take lakers uh coming in from that four spot that means knocking off my number one team, which is probably the Nuggets in the semifinals. And then I, I think it's going to be King's Thunder in the other semifinals. And I'm going to, I'm, we're going to have a Lakers Kings Western Conference finals. Is it 2001? Uh, 2002 ah. is what you're thinking of. Yeah. 2002 was the year where there was some controversy in the finals about game six and then the Lakers ended up winning game seven. So yeah, there was controversy there. Um, but I think we're going to get a repeat of that and we're going to have Lakers Kings. As long as the Kings don't run into the Warriors because the Warriors were their kryptonite. They, I, I like the way they match up against everybody else. So, um, I think it'll be awesome to see King's Thunder and then uh, 
Kings, Lakers. Anyways, the Western Conference playoffs, we said it last year. We're going to say it again this year. That's going to be the more entertaining playoffs, I think. Yeah, I agree with you on that. So many different ways it can go, and depending on how the matchups shake out. So what is your NBA Finals prediction? Lakers, Bucks. We've got Giannis and Dame versus LeBron, AD, Kyrie, and Austin Reeves. Um, and I think I think Giannis proves his greatness yet again by taking down the Lakers. So, I've got Lakers over Bucks, and I'm sorry, Bucks over Lakers in the NBA Finals in six games. Yours is so much more fun than mine. I was trying to convince myself to go with a Thunder or the Suns or somebody more exciting. I've got uh, I've got the Nuggets over the Warriors, and then I'm just going chalk. I'm with you on the Bucks over the Celtics, and then I've got the Bucks over the Nuggets. Get Giannis versus Jokic. I would love Giannis versus Jokic. I think that would be absolutely great. Um. I wouldn't be mad at that. I'll selfishly be rooting for the Kings to break through because Kings Bucks would be my ideal matchup as a fan of both teams. So, but it's not likely to happen. Uh, I think the wild card though is that, that Kyrie Irving piece. I think the Lakers making that work might be what swings kind of their season. I was just checking on the last couple of matchups we've had here. Really, but thinking out loud to myself, I was like, the Bucks have only made one finals in the Giannis era. I didn't realize that. Really? Yeah. Doesn't that feel like they should be in more? It was... Yep, it does. Um, part of that has been injuries because the Middleton either Middleton or Giannis has been injured in a way where it's significantly impacted All right. the Bucks' outcome in the playoffs. So, And then also Budenholzer. The Budenholzer effect. That's the other wild card with the Bucks, right, is they have a first-year head coach. All right. So we're, we're, uh, we're putting a lot on a first-year head coach. I don't know how many times a first-year head coach has won the NBA Finals, but uh, we're we're banking on the Bucks head coach to do it. The, we're um, really just banking on the health of uh, Giannis, Damon, Middleton, though. Was I'm just going through here really quickly. Was Nick Nurse in his first year when the Raptors won? Could be Nick Nurse. I was also thinking uh, Ty Lue with the yeah. Lakers. He was the Lakers one. He was the next one I was going back to. Uh, well, Ty Lue won it with the Cavs. Whoa, yeah, Ty Lue won it with the Cavs in his first year. Is that his there, first right? year? I believe so. Otherwise, I don't. Otherwise, yeah, it's a lot of older guys or a lot of Greg Popovich and Phil Jackson. And then I believe Udoka <laughs> came close. Yeah, he lost. The Celtics, the Celtics fell just short. Right. So there is a precedent there where like the team's so good and bringing in a new coach who you hope is better than the old coach can maybe elevate things. I really, it's really just a, a gamble on 
the health of Dame and Middleton, though, because we know it in Giannis to a lesser extent, but we know what Giannis is going to bring when he's healthy and that he's good enough to carry a team to a championship. It's just if you have healthy Dame and healthy Middleton, I don't really understand uh, or can see who in the East and then even really in the West is is stopping that. So do you want to give out some individual awards? Uh, Yeah, we can go ahead and give out individual awards. So your regular season MVP is? Giannis, I think. God, I'm the, with you. I think the fatigue is gonna, the fatigue thing is gonna swing back because now there's gonna be Jokic fatigue and Giannis is gonna be elevated by not having to do maybe as much with Dame being a part of it and Middleton and maybe a couple other guys as well. But I think Giannis is gonna put on a, some, put up some crazy numbers and he'll be, uh, he'll be the MVP. Your defensive player of the year. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it to, uh, I think it's going to come down to probably Jaron Jackson Jr. and, uh, Brooke Lopez. And I'm going to give it to Brooke Lopez. I think you already mentioned this one. Uh, by the way, defensive player of the year, I'm going Evan Mobley. Uh, rookie of the year, I think you already mentioned Wembenyama seems to be a, almost a lock for that. Uh, no, I don't, I don't see it that way because I think there's potential for weird things to happen. Um, I believe you have to hit the 65 game threshold to win mm-hmm. rookie of the year. And I think there's a chance that Wimby doesn't hit it. I think there's a chance that Chet doesn't hit it. So my pick for rookie of the year, Scoo Henderson. I like it. I'm going to take, I'm going to go against the grain and take Scoot Henderson. And your coach of the year. Um, I think it's going to go to Mark Dagonal. I think the Thunder are going to have a great season. I, there is potential where the Thunder really go for it in the regular season in a way that the Nuggets don't and the Thunder end up as the one seed. Um, I think it, it could be a lot like, uh, last year where it was pretty much unanimous that Mike Brown of the Sacramento Kings was the coach of the year, but now everybody kind of sees the Kings coming. I think the Kings will have a season that's fairly similar to last year in terms of wins, maybe even slightly better. Um, but I think the Thunder are going to really step up in a way that we're going to give it to Mark Dagonal. I like it. Yep. All right. Anything else NBA related? There's plenty more we'll get to. We'll have a lot of NBA coverage in ensuing episodes, but anything for our preview? Uh, curious how this in-season tournament will work. I have not done a whole lot of research about it. Uh, it's in November, right? I believe. Yeah, I was just looking at some of the schedules. I totally forgot this was a thing. I remember thinking that it was a neat concept and then absolutely forgot that it was a thing that was happening. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. I need to do more research to be prepared for it. Yeah, uh, I think the main motivation behind winning the tournament is like every player from the winning team gets like a $500,000 payout for each player or something. So there's some sort of a financial incentive to win the in-season tournament. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out for uh, for everyone. 
And the last thing we want to get to on this week's episode, there is a massive UFC card. If you have not been into the UFC before, this weekend is the card to jump into. UFC 294. Now, be mindful of the time. Saturday starting 11 o'clock Pacific, 1 in the afternoon for people in Andrew's time zone. So be, be aware of that. Take a break from your college football. But it is a lightweight title fight, Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. It was supposed to be Makachev versus Charles Oliveira. Oliveira gets injured in training, and on 11 days' notice, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, the featherweight champion, I believe off the top of my head, is going to go up and try to get two belts against Islam Makachev, the only man to beat him in about the last decade. So Islam Makachev, the childhood friend of the all-time greatest fighter ever, Habib Nurmagomedov, kind of his chosen heir apparent. He's been on a tear. Minus 340 favorite, Volkanovski plus 270. I would be happy whoever wins this one. I just, I'm a huge Alexander Volkanovski fan, so I'm going to pick him, even though it's maybe a foolish pick. Yeah, I'm not picking against Makachev. Give me Makachev. Just- also, I'm also glad you called out the time because... uh yeah, I'm not I'm not making this card with uh <laughs> with the college football that's going down on Saturday because you've got Ohio State, Penn State, and then Iowa, Minnesota. So I'm oh. not missing either one of those for UFC, unfortunately. The slight the cyclones are on a bye, so I got nothing else to do. Yeah, well, even if they weren't on a bye, you <laughs> you could skip their game for for this because so. And um go ahead. Yeah, and it's it's not often you get two of the five best fighters in the world right now. I would I would argue these guys are two of the eh, Jones is in there. I think those are two of the three best fighters walking the planet right now. To Volkanovski's a future Hall of Famer, and Makachev's headed that way. It's just very rare that you get this cross weight division fight with two guys at this level. So huge main event for the lightweight title. Yeah, I would I would agree. Very rare. Um. And then you've got Kamaru Usman against uh, Chimaev right before it. Yeah, how how the mighty have fallen. Kamaru Usman versus Hamzat Chimaev. And um, Usman's a plus 285 favorite. So wherever you do your sports gambling, go pour money on Kamaru Usman. I know he faced his kryptonite twice in a row. That was Leon Edwards. And I think that showed more about Leon Edwards than it did Kamaru I'm excited to see him get back in there. Chimaev has been the most hype fighter this side of Brock Lesnar. The UFC hype train is all behind him. They've been all over him. He does have a win over Gilbert Burns, but otherwise I'm not as impressed by his resume. This feels, I don't know if they want to do Usman Edwards three this close. If Chimaev wins, I think he's next in line for the title. They really want him to go for that middleweight belt. I'm I'm going to go Usman though. I've, not as sold on Chimaev. I've seen what Kamaro can do, so I'm I'm going to go with him to get back into the title picture. Yeah, I'm going to go with Usman as well. And uh, are you gonna are you gonna put? I guess I didn't. Yeah, I said Makachev, but would you parlay Usman and Volkanovski? Uh, the I have to imagine the money would be a huge payout. So I, it may be a little side bet. I I'd bet them individually. It's just that's that's. I mean, these are four of the ten best fighters walking the planet, and it's I I'm feeling bold. If if let's say you won some money in the morning college football games and you wanted to double down, go go hit that mock uh Usman Volkanovsky parlay. I would I would too. If I was going to make a bet, I would bet that. But uh 
I'm not really much of a well, actually, yeah, I am much of a betting <laughs> man. But uh, yeah, if if I wanted to take a risk, I would take a risk on putting those two together. And so those... uh, any anybody else trip your trigger in the in the main event? The those those are far and away the two biggest ones. The other one is Magomed Ankalaev, who this basically is a shot for him to get back in the light heavyweight title picture. So it's a whole long situation with the light heavyweight. Jamal Hill wins the bet, gets injured, he's out. Yuri Prochaska and Alex Pareda are going to fight for that belt in like a month or so. There's a huge card on November 11th as well. Think of Ankalaev and maybe Johnny Walker, who he's facing off with. Walker's a little bit further down. If Ankalaev wins this, he's going to be my pick. He's probably a very heavy favorite. I think he's going to win this and go up against Yuri Prochaska, who might pick to win that belt. So there's going to be your next light heavyweight title. Johnny Walker could pull the upset, could stun him. I think that'll be, I think it'll be UFC.com doesn't have odds for this fight right now. I think Johnny Walker would be a huge, probably like a plus 400 level underdog. I think Ankalaev. Plus 275. Oh, that's it. Closer than I thought, but no, I think Ankalaev is the one there. Yeah, I think so as well. And then, like you said, Yuri and Pereira are fighting next month on November 11. So, um, I I'll be honest, I just don't know much about the rest of these. Yeah, they're not not a lot of big names further down that I know too well. Right. So it's really maybe the top three fights that I w- yeah. want to see. Um. Tim Elliott may have been around at the beginning of UFC. I don't, it just feels like he's been around since the beginning of time. Yeah. Whether or not that's true. Uh, so this is a pretty good card, but like you said, uh, November 11 has its own. And then December, we've got Edwards Covington in December, but also we've got the debut on, of Patty Pimblett in December. <laughs> taking on Tony, old man, Tony Ferguson. Oh, jeepers. Just poor. Are they just feeding Tony Ferguson to everybody now? A poor guy. Yeah, Tony Ferguson is a feeder program for the UFC stars. <laughs> His so, the... looking forward to that first round knockout by Patty Pimblett over Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. I feel like people don't understand. Ten years ago, what Tony Ferguson was, and then he trips on a TV cable and. Uh. Wish yeah. that man had a better lot in the UFC and people got to see what he was really capable of. Uh, speaking of knockout punch, I'm I'm watching Philly's Diamondbacks as we're recording this. Uh, Kyle Schwarber just hit his second solo shot of the night here I... in uh, game two. So uh, it's the NLCS and that means it's Kyle Schwarber season because he dominates everyone in the NLCS. I was looking up stats today and I thought, Kyle Schwarber is the quintessential reason why people don't like modern baseball guy. He is either going to go yard or strike out. There is no in between. Yep. And it's the reason why I like modern day baseball, because I don't care about anything in between. I want to see those home runs. That's, what, that's why people tune into the game, right? They want to see the guys go yard. They want offense. They want points. Right. Right. They're not, they're not tuning in to watch the, uh, Cleveland Guardians try and run and hit, hit singles and doubles or whatever. <laughs> That's kind of been their strategy for decades, it seems, where they just do that. Um, it's an effective baseball strategy, right? But it's not the most appealing to watch. That's what the Phillies are, right? Is they're the home run team. 
That's it. They hit home runs, they win. They don't hit home runs, they lose. Simple as that. So. All right. Well, I'm really enjoyable really watch the entire the, way along. I'm really into the baseball playoffs, I think, in a, in a way that I haven't been since probably the Cubs won it all. So I think it's good. It's good for me. Expand your horizons. Find a new hobbies. Bit, yep. Absolutely. All right. My well, new hobbies with sports are watch more sports. <laughs> that's how it should be. That's what we're here for. Yep. Well, that's going to put a bow on this week's show. A supersized, extra long episode. We had a lot we wanted to get into and really go in depth on the NBA, especially. We'll get back into the swing of things with some NCAA and college football, uh, NCAA and NFL football next week and a little bit of everything. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Keep your stick on the ice. Mm-hmm.